boldly about Jesus because they want to get Paul in more trouble. And Paul just says, I don't care. At least the gospel is going forward. His zeal for Jesus is contagious. So that's some of the background of the situation that we're going to read about in our passage starting in verse 18. And if you go to verse 18, I want you to know that there's something else that's happening here. Paul's not only in prison, but he's on the verge of a legal trial. He's going to have to face some sort of court system, give a defense of his actions, and the outcome could be that they set him free, or the outcome could be the death penalty. So I want you to keep your eyes peeled for Paul talking about this, this trial. They could set him free, they could give him the death penalty. You know, that's the kind of crazy thing that governments do when, when the head of state is uh, deified. <laughs> the head of state is, is considered to be a, a god, like the Roman Then we left the room, and about an hour later, we're preparing to leave the house because I was going to go with these 
happening the core level of your life, it starts getting you thinking about what really matters in the world. What are you living for? What happens when a person dies? What's this all about? What's life all about? Wasn't the only life and death situation that I faced in those few short months uh, before I became a Christian, but it played a significant role. Because God was getting me thinking about what's really important in life. What I want to do now is look at Paul's situation and see what came to the surface when the most important questions in life are right before Paul. I want to zero in on verse 20. So look with me. Chapter 1, Philippians, verse 20. He says, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Now notice as Paul gives his perspective on the upcoming trial, that he explains his expectation from two different angles. From a negative angle and from a positive angle. So, negatively speaking, he expects that he will not be ashamed, and then positively speaking, he expects that Christ will be honored. I want to focus on that second half of the verse, the, the positive side of things. I expect that Christ will be honored. So, read, read with me again, see the negative and the positive side. Verse 20. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will, negatively speaking, not at all be ashamed, but positively speaking, that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. That's what I expect. That's what I anticipate. That's what I'm counting on. Christ will be honored in my body. What an awesome expectation to have for your life. I mean, wouldn't you love to be able to say that? I expect I anticipate Jesus is going to be honored by my life. It's the kind of thing you want to have written about your life when it's over with. The history books show Jesus was honored through your life. Jesus was magnified by your life. Jesus Christ was exalted through you. And Paul says about himself, with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. But notice it's not the end of the sentence. What he actually says is, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. In other words, regardless of the verdict of this trial, whether they let me live or whether they kill me, Jesus is going to be honored in my body. They can let me go, they can kill me, and in either case, Jesus is going to get glory. From this moment, I want to develop the two big ideas that I want to leave you with today. And I'm going to develop these two ideas by asking two questions. First question, leading to the first idea, is this. What does it take to live in such a way that Christ is honored by my life? And the second question is, what does it take to die in such a way that Christ is honored by my death? They're probably two of the most important questions a person could ask. Whether I live, whether I die, how do I ensure that Jesus 
Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And then he gives, in verse 21, the reason. For, to me, to live is Christ. Christ will be honored if I live, because to live is Christ. What is that? What do you mean? What do you mean when you say to live is Christ? Then I explain it in verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor. The here he is. He's living. He's continuing to live. I'm going to continue to live in the flesh. I'm going to go on being alive. It means fruitful labor for me. Then he elaborates in verse 25 and 26. I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause for glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Therefore, when Paul says to live is Christ, it's apparent from the verses that follow what he says there in verse 21. It's apparent that what he means is that if he actually stays alive, this is what he expects to happen to him, if he actually stays alive, then he's going to continue to be engaged in laboring to increase the glorification of Jesus by building the faith of other people. Fruitful labor. If I stay alive, it means fruitful labor in the work of Christ's kingdom. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to be about the work of making Jesus known. I'm going to be a Jesus freak so that people might know him. If I'm making tents, then I'll find ways to tell people about Jesus. If I'm traveling to the churches, then I'm going to put all the focus on who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. If they put me in jail, I'm going to testify about Jesus there. If I'm alive, there's only one reason for it. Christ! To live is Christ. And therefore, I'm confident that Christ will be honored in my body if I live. Because for me to live is Christ. That's, that's the only reason I'm here. For Paul to be alive means that everything is for the sake of Christ. To know him. To make him known. For me, he says, to live is Christ. What about for the cause? What about for us? What about for me? What about for Jeremy? What about for you? And this is the first big idea that I'm going to leave with you in fellowship. To live is Christ. To be alive is to be here for the sake of knowing and sharing Jesus Christ. Everything else is a distant secondary issue. Everything else. I know that nobody in here is the apostle. I know that we're not all gifted like Paul was. I know that we're not all called to do everything that Paul's called to do. So, you know, you might, you might not be an apostle or a pastor or a revivalist or a small group leader, but we all share the same last name, Christian. We're all disciples of Jesus Christ, and therefore, as long as we are alive to live is 
what it means to be alive. To live is Christ. And I know that you know this, but I also know that if you're like me, you need to be reminded of it all the time. Jesus is supposed to be the passion that outweighs every single passion. The glory of Jesus is supposed to be the ultimate goal of every pursuit. Jesus is not just a, a Facebook status. He's not just a sacred name that we sing on Sundays. He's the reason we're alive. So New Hope Fellowship, we carry on from here in pursuit of our separate assignments. God will take me and God will take you. Let's remember and let's pray for one another that we will be grounded in this purpose from here until we draw the final breath of our favor of a life. To live as Christ. To live as Christ. That's the first big idea I will leave you with. And I leave reminding myself of the same thing. Because as the author of Hebrew says, we need to absorb one another every day as long as it is called today, so that none of us may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We need regular reminders about what it is that we're called to live for. Otherwise, the deceitfulness of sin is going to sneak up and will trick us into living for lesser pleasures, lesser priorities. We'll grow infatuated with things that are good, maybe things that are genuinely good, and like a frog in a boiling pot, We'll be oblivious to the fact that something very dangerous can take place. Something that's good can become a god in our lives. The deceitfulness of sin. We won't forget if we don't remind one another and exhort one another every day. We won't forget that the living is Christ. So, let's stay on task.
biblical precedent for giving attention to the fact that our days our days are numbered and they go by like that. The Bible compares us to grass in the field or like a, a mist that, that a vapor that just disappears into the air. It's here and then it's, and then it's gone. Because one of two things is going to happen. Either Jesus is going to come back in the next few decades or every single one of us is about. And it's going to go by like that. And we as a culture, we don't spend too much time thinking about it. At least consciously we don't. Hebrews 2.15 says that every human is enslaved to the fear of death until they come to Christ. So we may not realize it. But even though, even though that's uh, the case, our culture doesn't really talk about it much. We try not to think about it much. We try to keep it out of sight. We try to keep it out of mind. But God will bring each of us face to face with death at some point, very soon. And most of us have probably already tasted some sort of close encounter with it, either because you know somebody who has died or because you've been a little too close for comfort yourself. So, while I wouldn't join Edwards, probably, I wouldn't join Edwards in thinking about it as often as possible, there is great wisdom in praying together with the psalmist in Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Help me think about the fact that I only have a little bit of time, so that I can be a wise person, so that I can live wisely. Because the day will come, the question I want to bring to the table as I consider some parting words to this precious church body is what does it take to die in such a way that Christ is honored by my death? Lord, what does it take to live well and what does it take to die well? To die in such a way that Jesus is honored by my death. Have you ever watched someone die? I mean, been there for the last few months, few weeks, few days. You just, just saw them processing. Man, it, it, uh, it reveals a lot about a person. They have, if they have that kind of time to kind of think about what's happening. Their deepest priority, you can see what they are, you can see what they were. Uh, you can see what they fear, you can see what they regret, you can see what they wish they had more time to do. I mean, that's very revealing. What do you wish you had more time to do? And the hard truth is, this is, this is hard. Most people don't die well. Most people don't die well because they don't glorify Jesus in their death, because they don't die with the mentality that Paul has.
fact that he refuses to bow his knees and, and, and worship the emperor? Is it the fact that his death would be the capstone of a life of faithful apostolic service? Is that, how, is that why Jesus is going to be honored at his death? Well, perhaps Jesus will be glorified for all those things, but that's not the reason that he gives. He gives us a reason for why he is so sure that Christ is going to be honored if he dies. In verse 20 he says, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21. For, to me, to die is gain.
Death is the loss of everything I have. 
Thank you. 